Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. In this episode, Lewis is all by himself speaking with Mitch Barukowitz, CEO of Merida Capital, one of the biggest, most successful cannabis VC firms around. Mitch is not only one of the leading investors in the legal marijuana industry, but he's also a deep thinker when it comes to where we are now and where we are going. Mitch's company Merida Capital is a really interesting firm and takes a holistic look at its investments, the industry, and the role it plays in normalizing the conversation around cannabis. Mitch himself is a polarizing personality in this space, but is clearly a thoughtful person and someone well worth listening to. So don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to our interview with Lewis and Mitch. I'm sitting here with Mitch Barukowitz from Merida Capital. Mitch is one of the most uh, uh, famous, infamous. He is a true lightning rod in the industry um, for a lot of reasons. You know, he has made a tremendous amount of really smart investments. Um, and one of the things that I love most about him is he literally just doesn't give a fuck about what other people think and will say the truth. You are you are famous on Twitter and face-to-face meetings that you really think and speak your mind. And, and as somebody who also just speaks their mind, it is refreshing to see somebody who isn't acting politic and political all the time. It, it's important. So thanks for sitting down with me again. Oh, yeah, it was great, great fun the first time. Um, I do actually care. Uh, I do. I, I think there's an actual a virtue in, in positioning each conversation where people very early on, I think you discover more about who you're sitting with, whether it's a, a diligence meeting, which, you know, there's a fair amount of parties out there that the first couple minutes can be a little rough because you're you're kind of throwing the zingers in there because we've we've come prepared with questions that we think get right to the core right. of a business, but we, we definitely care. I think that there's there is a there is a virtue there to just saying here's what we think and convince us so that you position that conversation. I think you get a lot further quickly and we're in a space that's moving so quickly that we we feel like after you know eight or nine years of this there's and there's a, a lot of and there's a lot of bullshit too right there's a lot of talking about vaporware um and we'll get into vaping momentarily yeah. but yeah. there's a lot of vaporware in pitch meetings there's a lot of vaporware in w- when somebody's doing an investor meeting and you blow through the vapor and ask the hard questions that get right to the core, which I appreciate. Yeah, well, maybe you should bring on some of the companies. I, I think the companies, there's so many companies we see, and there's only so much opportunity. You only have so much money, so much time. And I think um, for us, we we are really trying to focus in on core drivers and and the temperament of management teams and how they answer questions and I don't think you can get there by letting them just go through their roadshow pitch, which is polished. I mean, most of the people we see now at this point, they've done enough pitches. Like I, we used to joke around about, you know, after a thousand conversations or two thousand or three thousand, raising money for this state and that state when we first started, you know, these licenses, that you get each. For us, we always had a change because it was right. New, it was Connecticut, then Minnesota, then New York, Illinois, whatever, and so we never got to sell the same thing, and um, it was always a different deal. 
and how you couldn't get that refined. So you're always learning in these conversations based on the feedback you got. And I think what I learned from that process is we became better at what we were doing through other people's, like the smartest people we met with through our travels, you know, meeting with hundreds and hundreds of investors, thousands of investors from 2012, 2013, 14, 15, especially most of the people we pitched for our original Connecticut deal were the personal accounts of very skeptical hedge fund people in New York, right? People we knew. And I learned more about what the expectations were of sophisticated people through those discussions. And now that I'm on the other side of the table, I never stop thinking like the operator who's raising capital. And we try to ask the questions that we think an operator may have overlooked or may not think through just based on their material. I mean, we prepare really hard for most meetings. It's rare that... Do you think that the people that you're interviewing or, or pitching you are as prepared for the meeting as you are? I think... Yeah, I think they are, but I think they're prepared to give their pitch. And you can tell some management teams really don't like to be interrupted. And I have a, I have a t- complete problem with I, I mean, I personally... I've never good. noticed that about you. Well, I'm letting you finish. See, look, at the, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to control it. I'm going to show some self-discipline here. Um, oh, please don't. Yeah. No, I, I think that you can tell when some people just... What, and then, you know what? It, it can be a virtuous thing for that person to say something like, hey, you know... I, actually, let me just flow through. We'll get to some of this. But sometimes it's great to see someone go, you know, I do want to give my pitch, but I'm going to go along with this because there's going to be problems that they're going to encounter that are not under their control, the speed, the timing. I mean, every person, whether you're a fund manager, whether you're um, an operator, whether you're, I mean, I'm sure in KCSA when you're talking to clients, things pop up every single day that are not traditional. Um, they're normalizing. Um, but it's, it's really a function of, as the space normalizes, the problems start to normalize, but how they pop up still feel to me very cannabis unique. Do you intentionally stress uh, a CEO or CFO in these meetings, not necessarily to get the answer, but Who to have you see- have been talking to? Well, it's something that I think about when I'm interviewing senior team members here, right? Like, yeah. I want to make them uncomfortable because exactly what you said. You want to see who they are. Yeah. And, yeah. and when- you're not only investing, at least my assumption is, you're not only investing in the idea, you're investing in the management team. And how right. a management team deals with a, deals with adversity is indicative of how they're going to, you know, if they, if they can't handle you, yeah. how are they going to handle a regulator or a product recall? It's so true. Uh, that is, an, a, you know, like I said, the personality test that we put the people through. So we've refined our filtering mechanism a little bit. It now has 130 points or so. And a lot of these are point scoring things that... Um, they're questions that we think just need to be asked along the way. So there's not, it's not like a filtering thing where you can't automatically just flow something in. We tried to do that originally. That's how I used to do it with like when there were two of us because bandwidth was compressed. But, you know, we try to also look very deeply into around a company. It's not just money you're putting in. It's your commitment to bandwidth. It's your commitment to time. It's your commitment to – so when you put like whether it's 250 or $5 million or $10 million into a company, obviously the more you put in the more – risk you have from a capital perspective but in cannabis you don't want to miss real great opportunities because you're so bogged down in something you put 50 grand into and i think that's what the into the you know the lemons went to this the last yeah. commentary and the new commentary is actually coming out this weekend oh please um, send it I can't yeah no it's it. going to be it's i don't even look i don't know if it's going to be good yet we'll, we'll see what people think I, I don't think i'm a good judge of this but it's an extended analog of the early biotech days um and how you can learn a lot from genentech and how it developed as a company in, and because I, I really, Biosynth's been coming at us a mile a minute now. And um, we, to, to Biosynth, show you. Biosynth, as in biosynthetics. Yeah, or, or just the, the biotechnology aspects of cannabinoid 
um, isolation. And we've really been digging in, and, and I'm just with the especially with the vape crisis, uh, or just in general, we're we'll always intrigued. To, I wanna, yeah. I wait we're always on that. intrigued by um, what when something is so prevalent in in a lot of the pitches now, which is I'm doing a biosynth, and we're seeing a lot of those opportunities. You know, we start to look at okay, there's now 50 or 100 pitches in front of us, and they they all have a different differentiator, and they all look like they have amazing management teams, and the science is there, and you know, we have, we have Deb Kimless, who's a great chief science officer who kind of looks through this for us. But when you start to look at it, I, you know, what I do is I'll start to look at the fundamental underpinnings, how much friction's there. You know, I look at the boring stuff, and, and then we start to build up from there, right? And, and so, so – I was going to say, yeah. you know, you've seen you, – you've been in this for a while, right? Yeah. You, you found it. You started the Merida in – Merida was 12, late, 13? Late 16. No, remember, I started oh, so, doing this oh, right. individually, state licensing and – Building so, the first kind of so sixteen MSO. is it's three years ago where you started yeah. to deploy other people's money right. How has your tolerance for risk from an investment perspective changed? You know, um, I don't want to say who and how I saw it, but I someone is writing a book on the space and they they interviewed a bunch of managers, and I'm not going to say which manager, although I'd love to give uh, if I even if I even say that, I'm going to give her credit, but I'm not going to name her because. Uh, Maybe it was a proof, and I, her and I had a comment on the same page. But she, she said something about dealing with the egos of like everyone in California thinks they're the best grower, and they think the East Coast is this, and you know, sort of like Biggie, Tupac, yeah. East Coast, West Coast, and represent how, how very 2014 that, right. that is to me, how quaint. But she really nailed it about how you, you almost have to deconstruct the ego of yourself and of other people so we to get talking, somewhere. You and I were talking about this last week. Uh, when I was in California, yeah. about ego. Well, you know, my and I was. Dr- I, I, it's been a very draining couple of weeks for us because we're in the middle of some big transactions. Mm-hmm. Those transactions are are you know they're it, whether one of them's closing on the New York um, thing that we're selling, and some of them are buying, some of them are selling, and you know you're doing both at the same time, which have different constituencies, and it, it can be extremely exhausting because there's no normal way to get any of this done. So getting back to your tolerance for risk, yeah. Though, so because, well, it's changed because yeah. now I, I would say. I, I don't say it's more or less. What I would say is we are, we have now identified aspects of the space and things we were doing, which I was getting to before. Is we try to identify how much time a company may require mm-hmm. from which team members and which team members can really drive it forward. And if we don't have that expertise, then it may be a little tougher to do. So we we the tolerance has changed because now I feel that because of the ecosystem, our experience, how how. We have great relationships with other fund managers who might be able to pick up the slack, and you know we, we invest together with a lot of other fund managers. I think our tolerance has changed in that we are more willing to pursue an opportunity that is a little rough around the edges, mm-hmm. but has the core things we look for. You know, the the large total addressable markets, that embedded return. Right, we're looking for that. We're not looking for the fastest runner, right? Necessarily, because a lot can happen on the way to the finish line. You can break your leg. You can fall down. The person in the lane next to you, I used to be, I used to run track, right? A lot can happen on a track. You know what can't really happen? Me running fast. That can't happen. Well, if you teleport to the finish line, yeah. nothing, not much can happen. We're looking for companies that are, that have uh, achieved enough mm-hmm. where they're essentially, they've skipped over the high risk components. So it's not that our tolerance has changed. I mean, everything we're doing has risk components to it. I think we've learned how to orient it more where the risks we're taking now are risks that we feel confident are mitigatable or are able so we'd still have a big risk so you, tolerance so most funds like yours they have a, a, a 
a general purpose fund where you know investors who are called LPs or limited partners will put money in and you can deploy it. And then you will often offer, I don't know if you do this, but I know others, they offer either a sidecar sure. or additional capital call. Like we like this deal where we are putting $5 million in. We have the opportunity to put six, but we're right. not putting it from the general fund. So you go back to your LPs and ask for them to participate. Right. Has have your have your investors' appetite for risk changed? Well, you know it's so. This is it's crazy how quick it can change, like episodically based mm -hmm. on some uh, macro event or micro event. And I think the last three months, people were watching these things, uh, watching stocks, because that's the the easiest way to scoreboard it. Drop dramatically, and, dramatically, and and two levels where they where uh, they can feel cheap. Yeah, on a relative basis, at least. Except I mean, value stocks. Value stocks in, in cannabis, which is uh, <laughs> a funny thought. Someone just fainted outside. I think someone just went exactly. by your window. <laughs> um, pigs were fine. Exactly. Right. But um, so uh, I think. When you start to see that, and then capital starts getting tight, mm -hmm. and a lot of people in the space have been trading on whether it's paper, you know, especially acquisitions. When that starts to stretch out, it there what, what we're seeing is a lot of stress in the system. Right. Right. Think of like a bag, you know, a ten pound bag of sugar with twenty pounds of sugar in it. Right. The the seams. I would have called it a ten pound bag of shit, but we'll go with sugar. Fine. But so the seams are, are starting to get stretched. Yeah. And and if not not enough capital is flowing into the space because this is high growth, especially on the MSO side which are kind of the highest consumers of capital and yeah. of other things. These are the multi-state operators that right. operate in multi hence multi-state multi they have li right. licenses to produce to to grow and to dispense. Right. And and because they're 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 in their capex heavy phase, right? They're projecting numbers and they have licenses, you know, I love the stability of the limited license game. And uh, they know that they have to build out because there's a certain level of consumer demand whether it's New York where there's 10 you know there's a certain level of consumer demand. You know the adoption curve. You can mm -hmm. watch it. Florida, same thing. You have to spend money to build out. You know, that we're, we're merging our Michigan operation with Three Boys Farm in Florida. I was just down there. And they're building out an incredible grow. But you can't use the paper you're getting from, you know, from the other deal you're – so, so just just get to give to give. So there's a velocity get, factor. But let's also talk about how much money we're talking about, right? Yeah. Because I was with. Um, it could be uh, three to four hundred bucks square foot. Three to four hundred bucks a square foot, be. and the it average. So, but and the average size of a grow. Now you're talking about a hundred thousand square feet. Well, that's where that's a really interesting right? point that I I sometimes make to people who are you know if you join the space in 17, 18, 19, it doesn't mean you know I I was on a panel recently and I I brought up something like oh you know I've said how long I was in the space and I know I'm I come off as like this. It can sound like I'm it's bragging this, about it, but it's yeah. it's just factual. I started early because I, for whatever perp, whatever reason, I happened to be in very early, and I was deep very quickly, and um, you know, more quick than maybe you're ready to to admit. But I just saw the opportunity, and I really, it just felt to me so natural to flow into it. Right? It was this mm -hmm. esoteric, alternative, contrarian in some ways. You know, that's where I have a a, a real affinity for guys like Danny Moses, like that contrarian mindset, because cannabis is the ultimate contrarian yeah. in some ways. It's, it was illegal. I, you think it's the ultimate contrarian? I think no, no, it's, it was. It's so it was obvious. Originally. So. No, but I mean, you're doing something that's federally illegal. Yes. You have to sell it to people to raise capital, and those people are it, well, naturally that's, resistant. That's where the risk appetite is, right? I wouldn't we're talking about the investment side. I know what you're talking yeah, about, I mean, obviously but it's, it's that's your, to your tolerance for risk as an investor has to be, especially in 14, 15, 16, even 17, off the charts. I don't know Come if it's tolerance for risk. It's more like your tolerance for how far you're going to push yourself to get something done. How much will do you have? How right. many hours are you willing to stay up 
going through the minutia of a state law to write an application. You know, now there's professional app writers, or, and every MSO has a team. And in, they all in Missouri, suck I got the too. list of every. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's 20 applications for each MSO, but you have a team now. The early on, you talk to Charlie and Joe from Cresco, or talk to. Uh, uh, Kevin, Kevin from Acreage, or you know, talk talk to any of the large MSOs guys, which is why one of my commentaries was called "and the MSO game is hard," because originally you had to do these applications yourself. You didn't have the money to do it. Okay, so I, I, the big matzo ball hanging out there, and we're recording this on October fourth, which is halfway between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So to all of our Jewish listeners, Lashana Toba, and if I hope you had an easy fast because you're so hear so funny, New Jersey Yom Kippur. Yeah. yeah, Yom a, Kippur. If, if, yummy kippers, like as if yeah. it's like some kind of fish. Well, you know, there's an old Buddy Hackett joke that is, if you if you grew up in the Bronx, it's Yom Kippur. If you grew up on Park Avenue, it's Yom Kippur. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you if you grew up on Fifth Avenue, it's Christmas. So <laughs> that's very funny. Yeah, I wish I see. Yeah. there's your bad dad joke. Uh, okay, um, yeah. but the big the big there's two big issues that are facing the industry yeah. right now. The first, and we'll get more into this later, sure. is the that capital crunch. Right, nobody oh, can yeah. raise shit. Well, right you just brought it up before the panic. Very quickly, a lot of investors. And, and and I will say, and I'm sure if you spoke to other funds, I think there there's times where people like, hey, I want to invest in a deal. Like I want to co-invest, yep. which we allow other funds because you never have enough capital to do every deal. So you're always going to need some overflow. So we have a lot of people that often come and say, hey, happy to invest in the fund, like what you're doing, would really want to see, you know, understand that your book is bigger than what you can spend money so on. You guys are going to be raising another fund. Well, we're in the middle of right? our third fund right now. So, how big are we looking at? We're doing two hundred. Okay, so you're raising two hundred. Yeah, and we're thirty or forty in. All right, Entourage is raising the same thing. And their new name. They used the yes. word Caretsu, which is no, funny because I used Cresco. To, no, but no, no, oh. they used to be Cresco. Yeah. But in their, um, I, I, I want to give them a head nod and, and some credit. We. Uh, and, and not in, in any way. We used to use the word Koretsu to describe our ecosystem connectivity. Oh, yeah. So, you know, because there weren't a lot of funds in 16 or 17 when we started, right. we were using terminology like Koretsu, which is obviously the Japanese concept of owning the whole supply chain. And, you know, when Nick Kovacevic and I sit on a panel and we were, the, Danny, I dragged him on one because uh, Derek Peterson didn't show up. You huh. know, I used Koretsu, Danny's talking about the big short. It was kind of a mishmash of of stuff. But I, you know, I, I think in the interview, I, well, someone at, at in, Entourage uh, affect capital now, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure they also, did that because and Cresco, entourage is, and Entourage is a client. They did it yeah. because there was a confusion. Well, Cresco Capital, I, you know, I said there was no issue. There were no issues no. between Cresco Capital and Cresco Labs, but, they probably, but there was confusion. And you know, one of the reasons we called ourselves Merida rather than a variety of other green leaf other right is we wanted to have something that, first of all, was easy to talk about without necessarily connoting cannabis, but. It, the aqueduct system was an icon, you know, an icon that I felt reflected cannabis. It's the simplicity mm-hmm. of irrigation technology that's been that's around cool. forever. But st- you know, if you think about it, the Archimedean technology that allows you to move water uphill is through gravity and and levers, which is kind of like the Panama Canal. And, right. And a lot of a lot of aqueduct systems actually used this hmm. very simple levering technology using wood slats. And what made the Merida aqueduct system kind of unique is it had this algae system that would basically purify the water as so it went it was, through it right That's so it was cool. like a septic system and a purification so i just always loved that and i was a classics miner and i just i didn't i just didn't want a name that said um this person oh you're green leaf no not that wood. oh green clover no not that wood. i mean you know if you look at all these names that have green or leaf in it and now canna this or canna that uh, we never if any of our clients ever ask us about naming we're like yeah. as far away from cannabis as you can possibly get because it's not relevant. Right? It's also just such confusion. I mean, I yeah. think when, whenever someone says Cresco, I go, you know, Matt and Cody or Charlie and Joe. You know, right. you have to do it by the 
and now you now it's easier. It's you yeah. Know, well, that's and I and it's I actually, Vince. It's Vince Turtle and uh, drama. But I also want to yeah. It's it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because that's what we said. We said hey, they, their their new thing can be like the mansion on the uh, L.A. Hill. Yeah. But I I would say that I actually I also want to give some credit to. Them. I think it takes a lot to have to start over with a new name, kind of in some ways, because it's going to take a little while to get through. You can do press releases and stuff, but ultimately it's going to take up some of the air and room. And I I think well, getting hey, them on CNBC doesn't hurt. Right. But staring it down and just saying you know let's make this decision to do this. It's in some ways it's like cutting an investment off. Like it's it's ish, but you know it I takes think a the, real but it takes I, a real. Def- look, it, it, Matt was Matt was really smart about this because he understood the the confusion, and he also understood that he was launching a new fund and it was a perfect time to do it. Right. And it was able it gives him the opportunity to retell the thesis of their story. Yeah, and it's been great. Well, and, that's why we use the commentaries. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you so the new one that's coming out. I mean, there's a. Like I would say, I, I understand the thought process by now because most of these commentaries develop from something we see. Okay, so just yeah, sorry, you're, yeah. you're, no, no, no. I'll just follow if, your, if somebody, your, if somebody who is listening actually yeah. wants to get one of these commentaries, they can send an email to info at Meritacap. Okay. Or what happens is usually after three to four weeks, I'll send a. Um, uh, after three to four weeks, Hold I'll on. S- by the way, Daria just walked in and gave me a bottle of water, so thank you, Daria. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so after three or four weeks. We'll post a link to it in Merida, but if people want to read it the day it comes out, then which you should, if you if you I'm, have an investment, it's not actionable on a daily basis. Doesn't matter. It is. It, it, look, if people aren't following your Twitter and they are not reading these commentaries, they are missing a, a, a truly valuable source of information. I appreciate in the that, market. but I'm scared every time I, whether it's a tweet or otherwise, I really do. All we're trying to do is engender a real conversation about things that we think people are talking about privately, and. And I think that what's happened in cannabis is the there have been some incredible innovations and and I don't think it, well, there's look, not one place where you can get all. And I find Twitter to be create, really helpful in finding these things. And I use it as who much. Who do to you find, follow on Twitter? Um, a lot of the stock guys. So definitely because I want to know what they're talking about. Yeah. I want to know what like the controversies are. Um, like who? You know, like I follow obviously the Wolf of Weed Street and and Todd Harrison. And, and Todd's a friend, and you know I know Jason from Wolf of Weed Street as well. Uh, um, I follow the guys from Grizzle, and I Ben Smith, and you can see who I follow because every once in a while I'll re- reply. I'm not really on it. What I'll do is I'll read an article or see something interesting that I think people want to talk about, mm-hmm. and then I'll make a note of these five or six things, and if I get a chance, then I'll kind of binge them out. So it might seem like, whoa, there's like five in a row, but the, re- the reality is that's the 10 minutes I'm allocating to it. And then I'm trying to be responsive. I think the one thing that, that can be a little challenging is when people ask questions about the public companies we're involved with, where we, we try to be deferential. The public companies can speak for themselves. Well, and you you can't review. I mean, if you know, exactly. you can't say. Right. There's nothing interesting you can say on Twitter about your public companies other exactly. than here's a press release they just made. Right. So you talked about innovation, and the big issue right now the industry is facing is this vaping crisis, right? Yeah. Um, and it's and it's this weird melange of what's going on with the jewels of the world yeah. and then what's going on with the the cannabis which are totally vapes. unrelated by the way but but they are conflated right they, they are they are completely conflated which is which is an unfortunate thing it just shows you how easy it is for the mindset not necessarily a mob mentality but the mindset of this is an issue and this is an issue and it you know Daisy, my partner, who kind of manages a lot of the internal stuff, said it the other day, which is we try to focus on each step, not the mountain, mm-hmm. because in cannabis the mountain is always going to be large. 
or hopefully it will get smaller. It but, is getting smaller, but, but, but yeah. But we're, when we're working on applications and we always have, I mean, we, we still are an applicant in certain things or certain right. states that we think are interesting and we have things brewing there and we're involved in certain operational stuff. You know, we own operating assets as well. So we're not just an arm's length minority investor and stuff. And so the mountain can be, there are times where there is a rigor so need. This vaping, vaping issue is the mountain, right? A- absolutely. I mean, and but I, it is, and I believe, but, I, I actually believe it's a, it, it is a potential existential threat to a large part of the industry as it is today so i'm gonna i don't that is uh, so i've been mulling over uh some of the stuff that i think aren't i think it highlights an important and overlooked issue that i am in the middle of right this second because of our i2 minority accelerator which we're, we're making these first investments right now right and Here's the one thing. So, um, what is that issue? Okay, so here's overlooked? the issue that I think is it might be the most under. It, this could maybe fit in the last question that you know you like to talk about. It was like, what is the under told the story? Yeah. story right now, and I think what is so interesting to me is we're at a we're at a, if you think of just this is so macro that, that that this, you know, and I don't always know of my thoughts if the rest of the world thinks these are interesting. So you you obviously can move this in any direction you want, but I think what is really intriguing about this is that. If I'm a regulator, mm-hmm. and I do think through the regulator mindset just because I come from that background and right. I've spoken to in the 10 states I've been involved with, I've spoken to a lot of regulators. Okay. And I think if I was a regulator, I would think um, very often in cannabis, you get around smart people. I'll call their fund managers, and I'll call the people, and I'll bounce ideas off them. And this is one that I, I've pitched to a few of them, and no one's had a good answer, which tells me that it's going to be challenging to fix this, mm-hmm. which is – we're moving into a place, so our minority accelerator, you know, whether it's someone who's been incarcerated or whatever, we're looking to make investments to to elevate the, the minority community and in, empower them. And so you're moving to a place where decriminalization, in New York, the decriminalization of uh, cannabis means no more jail time. Right. Which is... Intru- and which, expungement. And expungement. Now, the question is, what are you going to do now? So there's very little will to incarcerate anyone related to the cannabis trade. But we now may have to separate the legal cannabis trade from the black market. Now, for in most states, if you think about it, they don't really talk about what to do to black marketeers. Right. They talk about the laws that legalize cannabis in some form, if it's the California Recreational, which has mm-hmm. obviously been episodically moved forward. Right, Every day there's a new rule or new regulation. Yeah, yes. Massachusetts is another great example of someone who's, uh, you know, Shilling Title, who's been very responsive to yep. on-the-ground challenges. Um, Chicago, Illinois, the, the SAR, just recently came out and said, we're not going to do much about vape because we don't think pushing people into the black market. That's, by the way, the most thoughtful thing I've seen. But Well, that's but they're the only ones who said that. So look far. What, look what, 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 so look far. What, uh, so because regulators need to do things. They have to do but something. But that was Charlie easy... Baker. That was the governor. That wasn't Chilean title. But, that, right. wasn't the, the MC, that wasn't the, the but MCC. But regula- the easiest thing for the regulators to do is, nothing. is no, shut it down. They have to, they're going to no, have to do easy. something. Because then what happens is if you have more... The problem a regulator faces now if they shut it down yeah. and black market products proliferate and oh, people get sicker they're no, fucked then this, the regulator wow they're, they're, just, they're fucked. just throw that out there are we allowed to curse in this i can say whatever the hell i want okay it's my show but i'm not gonna curse because mm-hmm. i I'm, I'm bad enough but they're they're in a they're in a no win okay, situation but go, back, right? but go back to the point i was making about when laws get drafted which is what regulators originally their job is to pass regulations that advance they don't yeah. want to pass regulations that hurt and do other. Or so protect. Is, and these, right. a lot of people do so shit what do you to cover do? their ass. So think about the cigarette trade. Yeah. In in 2000 and, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to say circa 2010, 
And unfortunately, I'm probably ruining because once I talk about it publicly, I can't write it in a commentary, which is, you know, I build these analogs, these metaphors. And, you know, I just want to say this to your audience. I, you commented that you, you love it. I really appreciate that. In my opinion, I write these. I have, I have a panic attack every time I send them out. I get scared. You take that, it seriously. I, I take it seriously and I put my heart into it. You yeah. know, and my team does. We, you know, we edit it. We, um, we really feel like that is a, if you read those, you know who we are as people mm-hmm. because it's a reflection of who we are on paper. And that's a tough thing to do because it sits into the ether. It's there. What do you think this podcast is? I know. Well, that's I mean, why I'm what, always so nervous because I feel like. This is me. Like, there, I, right. This is, this me too, is right. me. Like the last three, I think part of, you know, the, the discovery process and in, in building Merida has been to, to really like figure out how I can be the best version of myself and how I can almost bring the personal element. You know, when you're growing up in the world, in, in the traditional business world, part of succeeding is 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 restraining in. restraining yourself. Totally. And that's why the Rory Sutherland book, I don't I don't know if you you've read uh, Alchemy. No. It's a great book about how people who can fit in but not fit in sort of succeed because they can see the you know, I was always... That's my career, man. Mine too. Like, I have been... And I think there's a lot of people yeah. in cannabis who were like that. That's how they migrated here. Yeah. Cannabis is a self-selecting it, group. It is a, it is a gravitational pull when you think of Todd and Emily and, and Morgan from um, from Fight... Uh, I'm sorry, from uh, from Poseidon yeah. and, and Matt from Cresco and um, and Daisy from, you know, the 22 people on my team. And, and everybody who Jason works... Jason from in, Gotham Green and... And everybody who works in these companies, right? If you meet Charlie at Cresco yeah. and you meet Kevin Murphy, who they are... You couldn't have two but more different th- people, but they were called to this industry. There were things that they were doing in their traditional life that they found. And I've actually had a chance to meet Charlie's wife and we had a great conversation about the, the, the time commitments that an MSO has and it's uh, all consuming it was it was um Th- these are not jobs that you, these are not the travel early jobs. on well that's why i wanted to start a fund rather than just doing license in each state because you were living in these states and but so i for me the hardest part but also in some ways the easiest part was just to learn how to what can be let out of the traditional mold and and how to really be respectful of other people's quirkiness yeah. in it and, and to embrace my own, and you know, just oh, to man. embrace a personal element of, you know, we, we used to, when we first started Merida, it was about the pitch. And that's why I think I want to deconstruct other people's pitches because I would much rather walk into a meeting and have someone ask a million questions than just pitch them. Uh, we don't even have a pitch. We don't pull out a deck and start going page by page and slide by slide. And we don't do that anymore either. Yeah, it's, it's a phone call. And or I remember I used to meeting. I criticized uh, or one of your clients was doing their their uh, their sort of earnings report, yeah. and you guys had given them like a really tight structure because I don't think you trusted them to do it on their own. I'm not gonna say who, and I said, hey, you know, I, I heard. Um, uh, I forgot Rosie from the Jetsons. Yeah. You were like a robot, and they're like, "Well, that's the script." And I said, "You know, Lewis probably want you you wanted them to get communicate a certain level of information and get up." But that was early. This was early. This was like fifteen, sixteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're talking. Remember, this is uh, we're oh, talking no, Neanderthal we, times. Look, this is a time we were very linear with how we did that because. Right. You know, but nobody could. For but, someone, no, but nobody could. But we, they had uh, to do it because to, te- to teach look, them. In the context of it, sure, like, it was great. Like but playing jazz, right? But the frustration you, of it was like, okay, no Q and A, no. I mean, that they part was ready. They weren't ready. Well, that's why I'm not naming the client. Yeah, but that client's but grown into something pretty solid. So. I also don't know. Like, oh, okay, so I know who it is, and we're okay, not going to talk about it. Fine, but but generally, yeah, when you are training a public company CEO who most probably has never been a public company CEO, which describes everyone in right? the cannabis space, you have to train them to read the notes. 
once they have grown into it, they can improvise. But if they don't know how to read the notes, if they can't read the sheet music, yeah. they can't play the song. And it's so true. And, they ha- and, and most of these guys and women, even the ones who come out of the financial services industry, have never been the CEO of a public company. And it's a completely different thing when you are signing these documents, attesting to the truth of their numbers. It's it, 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 just read the notes yeah. until you're ready to improvise. Yeah, and I think that, and that is again that that is the fundamental challenge that 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 hits at my core, hits at my team's core. It's what scares us always is you 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 can get caught trying to put it into a traditional lens in some way. Yeah, and and you the interpersonal. Okay, you know. let's get back to vaping. Okay, back to so, vaping. So I just want to ask really directly. So again, just, what, what a law? What is so? Just the point I want to make, and then I because I'd love to hear your feedback. Is you think of cigarettes. All of a sudden, they, the, the biggest issue with cigarettes is it's legal, and they have to have a certain tax stamp. Mm-hmm. So what do people do? All of a sudden, you find the mafia goes to Indian reservations, buys you know 1,000 cartons, drives off, and because there's no criminal penalties around illegally no, untaxed yeah, cigarettes. But, untaxed but, cigarettes. No, I understand. Which, but by the way, Eric Garner, but with, that's, he with, died for absurd. Right. It was absurd, but the reality is untaxed cigarettes is a – it was How an oversight. How big It's in – it's the cigarette market. It's not equal to the cigarette. No, it's not equal to the licit. But bodega's it's fine. Got, it's got to be a it, tiny fraction of the licit market. You're talking cannabis. The, no, the licit it, market is a tiny fraction of the overall market. Right, so market. it's the opposite. But my point was that if you don't have criminal penalties around activity, yeah. that is illegal. Filling up a black market vape with acetate oh, or vitamin E. should go to jail. Right. It could be manslaughter. It could be yeah. negligence. Criminal, totally. criminal homicide. That's not against the law? Well, it's not that it's not against the law. It's that when cannabis – so let's be clear. When cannabis laws are passed, yeah. they're not actually accounting for what do you do? Because what if someone said to punish the illicit market? Exactly. But, the, but what if it, people don't die? What if they're just injured? Yes, you could try to do assault, but I, that's no, going to be I, a hard case to make. I think it's. It, but the, the broader issue there is the illicit market is made up of people who are black, brown, or or indigent. They I don't are know, not. They, 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 the, the, the guys the majo- in Wisconsin were white guys doing okay. it out of a. It they, was like a. It was yes. like an old. It was like a drug den from like yes. New Jack City. But the majority, you know, that the majority New of New Jack people, City. See, yeah, you, I, you I didn't even blink when it. I said I that. I got it because I'm for old. For younger, it's, yes, it's people without their shirts on doing cocaine because they don't want to steal it. But, but anyway, so so but. You have to be careful in how you structure the penalties so that you don't continue There's, to disproportionately attack that is the my people point. who have There's been no hurt by will. the drugs. So right. I'm doing this, I too. I'm talking yeah. to my 113 minority companies right. I just reviewed. We just went through this for two months. Okay. Right? We picked five winners, and there's another 20 that we think strategically we'll work with. Each. So when we told them that they were winners, two of them cried right, right. on the phone. Hold on. Is there opportunity specifically to invest with you in this, or is that closed? We're thinking of opening, op- creating something specifically for this minority so that we can maybe deploy more capital, because Merida can only allocate so much capital to this right. effort. But the companies we found are so meritorious that it, it doesn't matter if whether they're Martian. These are great companies. Right. We're so, so excited. You so, yeah, do a so side people want to reach investment? out. Yeah, so people want to reach out and discuss that. We could discuss ways. So we, because um, honestly, the opportunity is phenomenal. And what we're trying to do is these sort of, let's call them gateway investments, where we can mm-hmm. now get deeper. But two of the investments don't need that much capital. That's what's great is, it's phenom- by the way, we've it, it's given us such insight Mm-hmm. into how the minority community is perceptively moving into the space and how they see it. One of them, I mean, I don't want to, well. Can this you is, name, a, name a one of these so companies? So this is not going to air for how long? 
This will probably air mid-October Okay, to so late we'll probably October. announce it by then. So one of them is, is an education company in Michigan where we have a big footprint already mm-hmm. where they're going to educate minority and other bud tenders and cultivators. They're going to create a school, sort of like the Oaksterdam, okay. but a little bit more on, you know, a little bit closer to the ground, let's say, and a little bit more also educating on building businesses and, and really for the minority community. So geared towards... Right. Minority community and um, sounds like what Greenflower does a little bit. Yeah, no, it's it's very much the same, but with with a very strong skew towards training for specific roles that are open. Okay, right. So really, a job oh, so training. So it would be like an adjunct to yes. an HR platform. Yeah. So like you exactly. Yeah. And we, you know, and I could talk. I I know. Um, it's a good idea. I know Karsten Humiston. I and I I you know I think she's 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 building an interesting business. Exactly, and I think there's a lot. So right, yeah. But, so, but right. I, I'm just saying right. in general. So, so let me ask you a question because yeah. how many how many um, investments have you guys made in in your portfolio? How many companies do you have in your portfolio now? Totally between yeah. three funds, I think 41. Okay, so I'm sure that some of them have some exposure to the to the vape issue directly. Right. Well, Kush. So what are you talking to them about? Right. Right. What are you so advising your portfolio? So companies? You're, you're starting to see the real the real professional people who deal with it on a minute to minute basis, like Kush. They put out a deck. They've talking. They they're speaking to regulators across multiple states. I'm sure Jupiter, which is part of Tilt, the the people who are the C cell, the four C cell, I'm sure all talking to regulators, um, and 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 taking a leading role because they actually understand the technology. I think the biggest frustration I have, and I think a lot of people in the industry is, these were not legal products. Yeah. Not there was there was not yeah, one no, no. connection that Washington. It's not clear what he. There was one person. The Oregon. Oregon. I'm sorry. Yeah. They. they that guy admitted that he was using a variety of products. Okay, and just that- to be clear, what we're referring to is there has been one case associated to somebody who supposedly bought a, a vape cartridge and from a, a regulated. As well. But he said from from re- from a regulated dispensary. Well, if you wanted to sue someone, which would you say? Of course, I'm I got not, sick by Walmart. I didn't get sick by the, Johnny the fruit it's not grower. The point. The point. Yes. The point is that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It is, but you know, but but I think I give, uh, Leafly did a phenomenal article, which I tweeted yep. uh, a, a few days ago, and I think a lot of people have started to go back and test products, and you know, we, we have obviously ex- a bunch of exposure to lab testing companies, yep. um, and, and no one has been able to say that any licit, licit, legal, yeah. regulated product that's labeled, and that no legally labeled, regulated product has actually been shown up to have acetate, but you know what's funny? I think of early days where people used to say, oh, you have to put in propylene glycol, PEG, PPG. And MCT, BG. whatever. You have to put it in to thin it out. Yeah. These guys were putting in to thicken it up and make it look, it was like they were, it was like the baby powder. Really? Yeah, like how you put baby powder, baby. Um, whatever, to cut cocaine. To cut other stuff. Yeah. Like, so th- this was like, they were trying to use really low quality stuff and up it. And I, I actually would con- compare this to the, the fentanyl, which mm-hmm. is China is, people are shipping fentanyl here. They're cutting opioids and other stuff because of fentanyl strength, and then people overdose and die, and and they're not taking opioids off the shelves because fentanyl is being cut into the. The, the reality yes. is the reaction to this, the hysteria, this, and also conflating it with Juul, which is about completely different about issues. kids, yeah, and and sending completely different to high issues. schools where yeah. they used to sell these flavors. Those two are two separate issues, but it just so happens that because they had at the same time, and they're also vaping, and they're vaping, they're both the same technology. Right. Okay, right. so, um, so I don't think it's. I think I, it's going. We're going to end up getting through this. I hope so. I think you know it's going to be the really stronger going to get stronger. I think the stronger going to get stronger. Yeah. I, I, well, I think Illinois' stance on doing nothing 
might lead other people to say, you know what, by doing nothing, not doing nothing, by thinking about the black market in a more thoughtful way, by going after, so. by trying to, you know what, maybe you're doing undercover stings or something where you're buying illicit products and tracing them back to the, the truth is. It'd be great. There's got to be, a, you have to, a law, and this is going back to the original challenge of, and, and this is what I think about when I'm running and, and uh, when I, you know, you and I talked about how you don't often, like, when you just let everything quiet. The thoughts I have around this are the laws may need to account for what are you going to do to non-legal operators? How are you going to force them into the legal yeah. market? Yeah. Or, and I don't or, think a lot of laws try to do that. I agree with you 100%. Let's pivot for a second. Because sure. the other big issue that's facing the, the market is the market, the stock market. Cash. Right? And if you look uh, at, at the returns in the Canadian market, it's down like 30% for the year. The U.S. market is down like 40% for the right. year. And that's on average. And that means there are lots of companies that are off way more than 40 You look at 50 60 right. 70%. There is now a real cash squeeze, right? Yeah. Because some of these com- most of these companies raised a ton of money over the last couple of years and have spent it on acquisitions and now don't have the money for the CapEx to actually build out the grows, the processing, and the dispensaries. Where are they going to get the money? Well, the and safe, ba- the safe bank app would help, obviously. You, you, so are I, I the do. banks going to lend? Will they lend into the space? Well, Severn Bank in in Maryland, which is publicly traded, has you know forty five million dollars of loans on its balance sheet. IIPR. There's REITs. I mean, I think there's more solutions for people nowadays. Um, but look, it, and then there's Gotham Green and Torian that are that are doing asset based loans. Right, right. And I and I think I mean there's the the list is endless because you know we we talk to everyone as partners and. There's a lot of other people that are, you know, unnamed that, but that we speak to who are private lenders. Right. What I think you're, they, it didn't just spend money on acquisitions per se. They, there, there's a, they spent money on building these facilities of licenses they won, which needed to be built by certain timeframes, in especially in the more constrained states. Yeah. Like in New York, you don't have a choice. You had yeah. to build quickly. But I think what what you're seeing now is we could come to a something. It reminds me a little bit of like 2016 when you if you built a building. Or you wanted to build a building, cash was tight, and so you would delay phase two. And so it, it does remind me a little bit of 16, which is, I'm not trying to give anyone false comfort. I do think that if you've been in this long enough, this is like the third or fourth time this has happened, you know. And it will happen again. And it will happen again. And But I do think this one feels a little different because the values were so much higher. You know, the, the drop... The, these are, we're not talking about. Yeah, like, but there was money available in sixteen. It, it feels like the window. Well, closed. when you were building a state based, you, you still had to find the investors. It wasn't like you could go to. But there were story stock, and there were a lot of new well, investors. There were no stocks. These, this well, was, I'm talking no, about, no, these were private companies. I'm talking but about late it's still 15, st- early sixteen. No, I know what you're talking yeah. about, but you were, but you, you have fished this pond, I have. right? And it's not just you. Everybody has fished this right, pond. Right. The pond needs to expand. Otherwise, the fish that have been pulled out Capital is deployed aren't coming back and in. That. Like, so let's say that there's 50 to 100 significant investors in the space. And I'll consider some of the MSOs as investors because they also deploy yeah. capital and other things. You know, like Cureleaf obviously has Measure 8 attached to them. And uh, Australis Capital. Yeah, Aust- Australis and... Is it Australis? Australis, yeah. Okay, and Canopy Rivers. And, yeah. So there's a lot of entities and... Um, across, you know, but there's still not a lot of cash out but, there. Well, what I was going to say is we've all done, you know, we've we've made do with what we have available to us. No one's had unlimited capital, so that does, you know, what I would say is uh, uh, externally enforced austerity is not a bad way to refine your investment thesis. 
I agree with you. Okay. Look, I, I, so, I, so I'm gonna so I'm gonna bet. To, now we're back to austerity. Right. Like yes, there was some people were eating steaks. Now they're back to sliders. Right. And and at some point they might be back to. But some of these some of these MSOs are gonna go away. It well right. But, but the really good operators, you know, it, it's a great chance for operators to refine. And I do think you're seeing some deals that are they're gonna move slower. You know, you're seeing uh, people who wanted to use paper. Now their paper's cheaper. It's right, but the paper. So the paper is the issue, right? So yeah. if you if you have a loan out to Gotham Green or you have a loan out to Torian, they are they might if, call their capital. They and if they call their capital and they're and the company can't make the capital call, they're going to take the licenses. You know, I'm not sure it's that simple. I, I actually and this is not about Gotham Green or Torian. No, and those this are good. Those are really smart but, guys. You know, I have a background in law and. I I actually uh, worked on a very large bankruptcy. Okay. Um, fairly large, and and I've also consulted for trustees on bankruptcies, valuing assets back in my mm-hmm. my pre cannabis days, and so I, I understand the mechanics of bankruptcy pretty well. I don't know if cannabis loan to own works that well because what you're going to have is in you know it's one thing if you you often have the legal right to recover those assets. Mm-hmm. If people sue or tie you up in court or if something happens on the way to recovering those assets, right. you have a melting ice cube in the sun or something, right? That's the melting ice cube yeah, thesis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then you're talking about dip loans. You know what a dip loan is? Like yeah, debtor in possession. possession. Yep. So you end up with loans. Then you have to keep funding something that you're trying to pull your money out. But it's not as simple. And I'm not. And, and, this, and then there's also the question of whether the states will actually even well, allow the transfer. Well, is federal in most cases, right? So Remember, then how does that work in a federal, well, a federally illegal, federal a, a, a license that is not federally legal well what you would do is you would you would probably want to avail yourselves of the lending laws first right so most states have like a, oh my a God, very this is sim- going to be this most boring conversation yeah, okay. ever I mean, we stop no I, I this is my fault but, i took us there but well, i mean it's just interesting understanding structure i mean that's that's kind of because i've lived that part of the world which i mean you if you've paid your dues in that part of the world you you know and i want i once worked for a family office of a guy who was so brilliant at credit that we, I just learned everything you could. I mean, it, it was it blew my mind. I, I, you know, when I was young, I always thought, oh, you buy a stock, it goes up. That's the only way to make money in the stock market. Now I realize there's 4,000 different structures. And so anyway, you, I think what you would probably do as a first run is you avail yourselves of the lending laws, which are kind of simplified ways you submit your debt. But I, don't, I think the question is we don't know on bankruptcy. We don't really know. But it's coming. Somebody's going to go. There's, there's a lot know. of guys that are right on, you know. I, no, I think they'll just slow down. I think a really smart company would look to uh, selling assets and, you know, I think you, you're, find, you're finding some companies that are looking to raise cash through the through asset divestiture. Mm-hmm. They're being smart about it. They're being quiet about it. Well, and there's some, there's some that are, I mean, look, there it is interesting because uh, I know a bunch of the smaller guys on the West Coast are trading assets, right, right either amongst each other or out right. to raise capital. I mean, the capital crunch is, it's significant. Look, I, I had this conversation with, um, it was another manager. It might have been Brett Finkelstein from Fido, but I don't remember specifically who it was. It could have been him um, because we sit on a board together. But we were talking about how it this if this was a uh, if this is like Independence Day, you know, when they're flying and the the ship is closing and they're just going to fit in. Wow, it feels a little bit like that. It feels like that there there was a window and some people's fingers got caught on the windowsill and it got shut hard yeah. very quickly yeah and there were a few deals actually that got priced and done right before it got tough and those i think the investors in those deals feel snake bitten yeah and i think and they and the canadians took money out right they've all made initially they they made a ton the of money is they reinvested if you, no what there, I would, there are a lot of canadians who have put a lot of money to a lot of companies and they've lost a lot of the the, the capital back 
Okay, so the, you one of the things that we we alluded to was safe banking, right? Which which passed the House recently. Um, what is your prediction on that specifically, and then more broadly for the rest of this year and into 2020? What's going to happen with the laws? Because you know, safe banking passes; it's really helpful, right? You know, the More Act passes; that's really really helpful. Yeah, and states pass, and yeah. and fucking it's to the moon. Yeah. So what's going to happen? Because until that, until those happen, I don't even we're right. To the moon. I, I don't. I, because I'm having a hard time figuring out what the framework is. It's. It's hard to say, you know, if, it's like someone who's thirsty coming out of the desert. If you give them uh, a glass of water, they're probably fine. But if you make them funnel a gallon of water, they could get sick. And I'm not sure how that every, look, California passed rec, the law the laws got passed. And what was California like for the first half of 2017? It was a disaster. 17, it's still a disaster. Well, it's less of a disaster. The BCC deserves a lot of credit for it. They, they are, they are they're definitely, doing, they're, they're doing faster, everything in their power. But look. You have legitimate cannabis deserts in the state. True, it is not. It is not a an ideal market. The the tax structure is screwed up, which is supporting right. the illicit it's, market. Right, um, and it's also just by having a medical card, right. you can save twenty seven percent. on right, so, but let's let's stick okay. with let's stick so with federal. Here's what like, I think. What okay, think so happens? safe banking act, in my opinion, it feels like a fait accompli because of the three hundred twenty one votes on the house side. So and you think that Crapo brings it to this floor? I think Crapo. The fact that Crapo is moving it forward is when the person who admits that they're against the actual underlying subject matter says it just it, it makes no sense to keep the banking side illegal. Right. Each state can decide for themselves. I think that's a strong proponent and I think it 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 always amazes me that the you know the old uh, sort of after school special about how a bill gets made. <laughs> And you think about like how much power. Oh, we definitely have to put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. So you think about how much power a committee chairperson have, whether it's the Senate or the Republican side. It doesn't feel. Uh, I'm sorry. Or the, the 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 House of Reps. I didn't mean Republican or Democrat. But you think of how much power these committee chairmen have to table things. And now Mitch McConnell, because hemp is inserted, is is all about it because he's all about hemp. And um, it's kind of transparently to his connection to Kentucky, which yeah, Moscow um, Mitch is all home. about hemp. Yeah. Hashtag so, mosh ta- yeah, hashtag I mean, I don't do the whole pol- pol- political I do. thing. I know, but you know, it's, I, you, you, you know what? You are protected. I don't find. I just don't care pol- anymore. Well, like, if I, people know, don't but, like me, they don't like it's me. It's not about that. You know what? It, what I find politics, and and I, you know, my family and I have had uh, robust political discussions. My mom was a teacher. Obviously, the, there's a huge component of liberality growing up in New York. You know, right. When you're when your mom's a teacher, and um, and I think, I just find that you either agree with someone and. That's great that you can both pump each other up that you agree, or you disagree and it kind of it strikes at a nerve. It's very rare that you find that you can have like a massively productive like I want to learn something from your side. Yeah. So what's the point? Like, I, it's just something that upsets it. people. Okay, so so you think that Mitch McConnell brings it to the floor, he passes it, and that Trump signs? Oh, well, I think the committee safe. is the important part first. Right. That feels like a fait accompli. And, right, because you know the has, Democrats are all yeses, yeah. and Crapo and uh, and Cory Gardner are yeses. Yeah. So you you have I think that committee has um correct me wrong I think it's nine people. I don't know. Oh, is it thirteen? No. Usually thirteen. Okay, so whatever. if it's that's enough. Right. That, so that's you enough. have two plus the the minority. Seven Demo- oh, yeah. the, I'm sorry, the the six Democrats. It's seven six. Yeah. Then it's eight. Yeah. You're good. You have enough. But, but yeah. the problem is, you know, the way politicians work often is once they see it's kind of going against them, there's no point being that one guy that votes no unless you your district is. But if you think if we've looked at the people, except on that for the one Democrat who voted against. Yeah, that was just bizarre. But how do you vote against? Hey, I want to I want to make it so that we can track 
every single thing that happens in this new emerging industry. No, absolutely. You're crazy. It's it's weed. Don't you know it's the devil's weed? Uh, oh, God, the pictures from the, you know, the, the advertisements from the 30s were amazing. The guy with the devil. and You have to go see the, uh, no, no, the uh, Cannabis Museum in Los Angeles. I've heard it's amazing, by it's the way. It's great. I yeah, was I've there last week, and it yeah. was well worth it. And the, the first consumption cafe opens in Cal, I mean, in Happened. It happened. Yeah. It was, it, it and it was open. Lowell, right? They were talking about it on uh, Howard Stern today. Yeah, Lowell, it was Lowell Farms. Is that what, is that Which, what it is? Which, by the way, one of my favorite brands. They are a brilliant, brilliant yeah. brand. I like, I like their stuff. Um, so I mean, I like I like the packaging. I think yeah. it's like a really interesting. I, I brand. love it. I mean, I the California like, brands are it, the innovation coming out of California ones. is remarkable. It's just, you know, if you're an innovator, Stizzy. like I can't. I love the Stizzy stuff. I saw Have the picture of it. It's just it's amazing. It's, and their cap their their retail experience in downtown L. A. is um is amazing. But you know what? You know what reminds me of a little bit, and and not not them, but in general, this is why the space is going to it's whether it's. Come hell or high water, this space is moving forward. Oh, 100%. Because people are willing to blow their life savings on their dream, and that will support the space. So I it's going to be creative sense. destruction. I guess. And that, so you know what? This really is internet 1.0 going into 2.0. There right. is How going many people to be. How started internet companies? This, and there's a lot of these companies that are going to go away. And, and it doesn't mean the industry is. It's it, The industry is secure. It's just these companies that are yeah. not. And yeah. that's not the issue. You know, you are right. This is this train. I think you actually said it yourself. <laughs> what? You are right. No, I, I and, and, and every day I see um, this insightful prose by someone. And by prose, I mean P-R-O-S-E, whether they're on TV or something about you know, the entrepreneurialism and, and how it's it's this marriage. Well, it, it is, when you're in the middle of the growth stage, it's hard to imagine that 50% of the companies that you're currently interacting with will not look like their current form. They could merge or consolidate. I do think cannabis is going to have more consolidation. Like the internet, to me, a lot of companies just disappeared. I don't think you're going to see as much disappearance because this is a hard good. Yeah. It's, like, it's like saying the cookie industry. There's... Look, there's an MSO that, that I know of that is in legitimate trouble. Right, and they have, let's call it thirty licenses. The licenses are going to transfer to somebody. It doesn't mean that the the licenses um, aren't you know aren't going to they're not going to go you away. You have an alarm for four twenty. Uh, no, wow. That was a phone call from a client. Okay, I just because it you know it's, I see four twenty. Everyone just to know, Lewis. It seemed like that was coincidence. That's but pretty funny. Karmic. His alarm goes off, and I look over at his phone, and it says four twenty. Yeah. So uh, you know he could be like you know the tweets that go out for is it the. Uh, there, there's someone with 100,000 followers that sends out a 420 tweet every day. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, to 100,000 people. That's crazy. I don't even, what is 420? No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't go there. <laughs> okay. Um, but going, back to, do, going yeah. back to the cash. Okay, yeah. Because this is a really important point. Is people, uh, I think when people look at a fund, so we don't necessarily have this experience on, on a tactical level, mm-hmm. but people who are in the stocks, if you're, putting the vast majority of your money into stocks in general, which is where you get affected the most, that is a tough game in general because it's hard to know when you're getting value versus in privates you kind of get a sense whether you're early or you get a sense whether you're you're on the upswing. You can look at their numbers and you can see the definability of their pipeline, et cetera, et cetera. You can go through all that stuff. When it comes to a public, you never know where they are in there. And you don't know if one guy in Canada just decides, hey, you know what, today is the day. Yeah. I'm selling my unlock. Or And so I think that I don't, I don't think the market is a perfect articulation Yet. of value. So, Yet, but but, 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 but it if is the stocks close. go down and make it tough to raise capital for these companies, and then they can't, 
Um, so what we've started to really do is when we're, when we're looking at new investments or existing ones, we're really looking at where in their pipeline of business do they have a potential grenade. And, right. Where and, are they going to need a lot of money? Yeah. And we've, so we've been focusing a lot of time on that, on the existing portfolio. And on new companies, um, we're using, we're extrapolating that forward. How are you using that information with your current companies? We have a, you know, we have this methodology of being uh, active. And I think we're saying to companies, um, can you give us, how are you handling this? How are you thinking through this? Give us, you know, what are some of the uh, emergency exits that you're building into your model? What are some of the, we're really looking for people to, you know what? So just, just to, but you're allowed to look at their books? So they, they give you access to our companies that we invest in. A hundred percent. I want I mean, especially yeah. the private ones. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're, we're involved in helping them, you know, revise their models and right. we're offering them, but not everybody who invests in a private company has access to, I don't know if we have access to every single thing under the sun, but remember these are companies that we diligenced. If someone can, can you imagine in your diligence process, Hey, I'd, I'd like to see your five biggest clients. No. Okay. Well, no, but but how do I but, know? How can I validate it if I don't that, have facts? That's at the upfront. But you're in these companies now for a couple of years, and they still are. are we're completely... working with them on a weekly, daily basis. We have some of them are on the board still. We're, I mean, this is a value we're deeply add, involved. Right? So it's deeply so, involved. so when somebody gets money from you, they're not the money is is probably the least of the value that they get. It's really the it's, money's worth a lot. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. we're talking about you are not. You're very a passive, kind for saying so, but, but I you're don't... not a passive investor. I don't even know what that would mean in my life, what a passive investor is. Like, that's what I think of a stock, a public stock. Right. You're buying it and hoping it goes up or you think you've caught. It's very hard to have an information asymmetry advantage over the public market because you can look like a fool the day after you invest. Yep. Right. It's very hard to beat the market unless you have a thesis that you think is completely underappreciated. Like the day Jeff, you know, that that's going to be adventure. And I worked at Pally Capital, which was an adventure driven research. So I, I definitely understand that game. I don't think in cannabis it's that easy because I think there's an opaqueness that makes that trade hard. And I think that's why the guys who can like illegally short and, you know, until they have to buy in or something. Yeah. Have such an advantage over everyone else because they can just go, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to short this. I know that they need to raise capital, which pretty much describes everybody. everybody. And they they think, but I, I will say, I think there's going to be some people caught either negatively short or mm-hmm. there's going to be a few, a few driving factors. And I think of... See, one thing that's going to be interesting over the next, like, call it six to eight weeks, is earnings were that were earned last quarter are now being announced. So you have that lag factor. Yep. And I think there's going to be some really, really strong earnings. And people are going to go, well, I thought they were out of cash. right? And so I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see that over the next six to eight weeks. But I can't say this clearly enough. I'm so. You don't invest in the the public market. We don't buy. We don't. But, I don't believe people should pay me two and twenty for me to buy stocks that they can do themselves. Right. So we but, don't buy on the open market. We do bespoke privates into publics. When but we do you it. looking out there? Are there three companies that you would say, "Fuck, if we could, I would." You know, who are the ones that you like? Because you know, you're now in value territory I'm, on a lot of I'm, these companies. I'm hesitant to say because there's probably twenty, but. I don't want to give stock advice. That's not okay. what I do. If you read my commentaries or you, or you read the tweets, you get a sense of how we think about the space. I don't think it's really, you know, I don't want to, I don't think I want to be like a stock guru, right? I don't think okay. that's, that. I leave that to other people. There are some really smart people who are doing way more public stuff that might be able to tell you entry points. Todd Harrison, every day on Twitter, you know, has this, he, he, he maps it out. And I know Lauren, I know half his team, Michael, I know his team. They're great at that. 
We're, we're, you're we're talking about Lauren DeFalco. Lauren DeFalco, the mm-hmm. king of cannabinoids. I always joke around. I love Lauren. Well, such a good guy. Yeah. So think of what the the acronym is for the king of cannabinoids. It's not a good one. I told him he should change that. He's got to find, you know. But um, maybe it should be the king of active can- cannabinoids or something. I, I, By the way, is it cannabinoids or cannabinoids? Cannabinoids. You, you really think that is? Why? I, I wouldn't know how to say it any other way. Cannabinoids. You can't say cannabinoids. But I it's can cannabis. Say it. It's cannabis and cannabinoids. Okay, but cannabis, cannabinoids. Okay, I have no idea. If anyone wants to write me, if they have an answer to this, because I don't ever want to say it wrong ever again. Um, so please chime in. I feel like Dan Quayle when I'm in a meeting. Okay. So, um, anyway. Everybody talks about their wins. Very few people talk about their losses. Everybody likes to crawl, and I'm not asking you to do that. But what? But you know, I, I want to stock picks. I want to <laughs> ask you. Look, sure. you are a successful person, right, Mitch? You, you okay. can be, don't be a self-effacing Jew. I'm not self-effacing. You, it, I actually wake success- up every morning and have such fear and panic over which, what we're which doing. Which is that what makes you successful, right? You, you feel so. like you are being chased by dogs every day. And that's how hard you work. But that's not the issue. But they're actually dog chasing me. Just because you're, you meant to say, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't uh, out to get you. you right. But I don't but, think people are out to get me. I just have a fear of failure. But a you massive have fa- fear of failure. All right. So, but you have failed. Everybody fails. I've, fa- right? I've learned more in my failure than right, I've so never learned a, a, what was as the, much. What was the success. mistake you made that you were like, oh. In the space or in life? You can pick. And then what did you take from it? And how does that inform who you are today? Um, I don't know if this counts as a mistake. I'm gonna. This is a loss. So early in the licensing, um, we put our heart into a Maryland licensing. Okay. Um, and and I, I'll give you a, a mistake also, but I'm going to just, this is a, Okay, so uh, I had met some people in Maryland, um, and we had decided to work together. It was way before Merida. It's like late 14, right? This is literally you ancient. Mind? Yeah, no, go. Go okay. drink it up. Just chug, man. Lewis is very thirsty today. So um, we we applied. We we thought we had an amazing application. We had won a. We thought we knew what a winning application. We had we had a. There was a local. Uh, we had a local ordinance in support of our application. I mean, we had wow. everything you could do. We had partnerships with local. We had everything before that people sound, knew. But, but that sounds like what I I dealt with here in New York, before, and we still lost. But before people knew, but this was before anyone knew to even do these things. Right. So we had every piece in place, and and we didn't win. And we had spent you know six hundred thousand dollars engineering a building. And I remember when the ding came in, Kevin Gibbs, my COO. Was, is a local Maryland guy, and that's how we met. Originally, someone introduced us to do this application together, said, hey, I know a licensing guy, and you've done a bunch. And So I met all these p- amazing people along the path. Glenn Taylor, a lifelong friend who was on the board of uh, the Minnesota Grower Leafline Labs with me, I met in losing an Illinois application. So the losses have been very productive, and you try to do right by those investors. So in Maryland, we spent our time looking for potential winners who might need an operating plan, because we it was ready to go. If we won the next day... We had boots on the ground, the building, right. we were ready. And so when we lost, I, I couldn't even, I just remember, one, it was so painful in that moment because I told people, hey, we may not win in New York, that's going to be competitive, Illinois, but Maryland, we really know, we've really got this thing. We've really, we really, we've got this thing in lockdown. Like we've done everything you could reasonably do to win it. And you know, GTI, obviously, they had a really tough situation where a license was basically taken from them. And so it was a kind of dicey process. So instead of crying about it, which I'm not going to lie, it was, 
for two or three days, you just think, what are you worth in life? Like, there's never been a public rebuke like that. That is just, I don't even, to describe it, like, right down at this point, like, you can probably see it on my face, the anguish. Like, it hurt to a degree of, like, I almost didn't want to do this anymore. I said, like, I'm just going to go back to the, I can go back to the real world and have a job and do what I was doing, credit, you know, legal. You put yourself out. You put, we put ourselves out there, and I told a lot of my investors, we're going to do this. We, we've, we've done, we did this right. And then we lost. So we went and we said, look, and we lost $2 million bucks of investor money. We're, we're gonna let's look at the 15 winners and see if there's an operating plan that's kind of flawed. And we ended up working with a local family who's real, really nice people. Um, had done something in a related space, but didn't really have their their plan was kind of. How did of, they win? You know, I don't really look at that. So I, I, there's no point in going through how they won. Okay, so because they ultimately they they're our partners now, so it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, I just ruined the story, but so we we, oh. we you know <laughs> we said thanks thanks for that, but. No hey, one, no one's what? on the edge of their seat. It doesn't matter. You fast forward to the, but we, we, um, we, we said to them, look, we have all of this in place. We spent all this money. Right. We've done all this work. We have local staff. We have a partnership with this university and this university. By the way, you did telegraph it. Like you've been telegraphing this the whole time. Well, but I'm going to give you a failure too, like a real failure. So, so we, we eventually partnered. We were able to, our investors not only got their money back but they got more than their money back in stock and they're now investors in this operation right and it's our you know the maryland that we were part of called grow west and the family that we're partners with have done a wonderful job of learning some of what they need to learn from us and integrating with the local team building the building we had originally had and, and and working with the local stewardship i mean i spent so many days in western maryland that the drive out from dc to cumberland is it'll it'll wear you down it'll wear, no it'll wear you down because it's and the, the stress you on your body are you done with the crabs by the way the food and you know, I like Maryland food. Yeah, I got to be honest. And I have friends that went to U Maryland, and it was that experience and and just the growth in that losing taught me. And 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 you know what? Here's the here's the irony of it all. Merida was launching the next week, so we thought this was going to be a huge you know victory. Everyone's off, euphoric, yeah. and then we'll say, hey, by the way, now we're gonna have now we have the other vehicle to capture the ancillary elements. So that loss was actually devastating for a lot of we. We launched Merida into the teeth of a a real defeat, a huge, massive defeat. And so, but what we, we said to people was, you know, how about we're, we're, we built a business that lost. How about we do the same thing, but we do it for businesses that don't necessarily need licenses. And that's how we launched Merida. And that's why we focused on ancillary and not brand, other elements because we wanted to stay away from the stuff that was high, high risk, high reward. Right. We wanted to do high conviction, high reward, skip the high risk part things that we were using and so anyway you know i kudos to the the, the maryland family for they, they were one of the people again going back to what one of these managers said about subjugating your ego for the greater good they had to do that because they a lot of people win these licenses and immediately go i'm the greatest thing ever you lost you suck and it's like well actually i'm looking at your plan it doesn't even work it doesn't even comply with the laws so uh, you know we have you know josh hopped at um uh medicine man in, yeah sure. okay so he's a friend yeah and I know he, uh, Andy and, from Anime yeah. 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 Um, and obviously Brett Roper. And like Brett, a, who yeah. was a great Rest guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Josh said people think that getting a license to grow cannabis is a license to print money, when in reality it's a license, it's to, a spend license to spend money. My original partner, Ethan Ruby in Connecticut, when we, were, when we first won that license, we were in Vegas together. And, you know, Ethan uh, has overcome he, – he was hit by a car and paralyzed and overcame massive to build a huge life. You know, two great kids – um, you know, CEO of Theraplant in Connecticut, the, the only independent grower still. And we found out that we had won um, because they called us like a week before and they're like, we're going to do this press release. So Ethan and I were in Vegas at one of the first ArcViews. 
And we were there, and he goes, you know, he gave, he had this really serious face, and he goes, don't you say a word to anyone. I got to tell you something really serious. And I thought, I don't know, I thought someone, one of our friends might have died. I mean, it really scared me. Like, he was so serious. And then he's like, we won. And we just, we sat there and cried, right? It was like, because we'd worked a year. And then you figured, like, oh my God, where am I going to get all the money to actually? Well, no, we had out? an escrow of all the money, so okay. we didn't even need money. We were, it, it might have been the only time in our life that we were fully funded, <laughs> right? And it, 2013. But no, no, but what, what happened is then we, you start doing it, and you realize that there's, you can't go every, you, you can't even find the things you need easily. So Ethan turned to me one day and he's like, man, this is just a license to spend money. And so when I hear people say that now, I go, you know, agreed. And that's why part of, by the way, going back to the I2 thing, just to weave that in for a second, is we thought the social equity licenses are not necessarily virtuous unless people have capital. Yeah, of Unless course. people have the wherewithal to actually build the business on the heels of what they're doing. Most people assume that these licenses in California are going to be hard businesses bought, to grow. Bought by basically I don't want people funded to take advantage of yes. MSOs, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it takes it to build out a store, just actually let's Whatever talk about is. the economics. Yeah. Because you know, I've Chris Crane, who's a good friend. Forefront, one of the best licensing people in the space. I would argue the, totally best are, the best yes. operators right now yeah. around and right. smart. But Look he at says, what happened in their stock and for no reason. I mean, they got swept up like everybody. It's yeah. not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I'm like so long on Chris, Forefront personally. But, Josh, but what he great, says, great what, what Chris says is it costs about a million dollars to open up a retail store per right. store, right? right? So if you're going to open up 10 stores or 20 stores in Florida, Right, that's twenty million dollars you have to have. I know in we're cash. partnering with a Florida grower. I, right, so I'm aware. Yeah, the average processing costs about five million dollars a processing well, facility. Right, and then average grow costs about how much? Twenty million to three hundred bucks a square foot, or three hundred okay. to four hundred, depending on right. so, how much automation and so so. You have all these new energy. Anybody yeah. has all these licenses. You need hundreds of millions of dollars of cash to build this. Well, stuff luckily, out. I'm not an MSO myself. Yes, right. I'm, That's why generally I this is no, why the, the but this the is space why space needs capital is, because it's yeah, built from scratch. Right. It's it's not like other industries where everyone and everyone's spending it at the same time, which also makes other stuff more expensive because things get in demand. Yeah. Right. Everyone needs rolling benches at the same time. Everyone. Missouri's going to give out licenses. We own GrowGen, obviously a, a big chunk of it. We helped build that company. When that happens, what happens? The same correlated equipment gets ordered. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs high-pressure sodium right. lights or LED lights or rolling benches. or. This is why hydroponics, which is one of our clients on the yeah. West Coast, yeah. they are supply chain management. And they go to the big, the big MSOs and they say, look – we will make sure that you have as much fertilizer right. as you need. Same when thing as Emerald Scientific. It, it's, right? it's we own a B two B platform yeah. for for precision equipment and reagents, like the stuff that's tough to get. Yeah, which is why Kush got into the hydrocarbons business because calling up your local Audi body shop for CO two or yeah, doesn't nitrous work. doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not a replicatable, definable. So that's why I think one of the things that we really focus on, like the stuff we agonize over is identifying those friction points, which is why when this when the vape crisis came out, I focused on the laws. Like, what is going to be the next friction point that's going to be related to what the vape crisis? Because I really do think that at the core, the regulators are going to say, we don't, want the, the, we don't want to be 16th century doctors where the mm -hmm. cure killed right. <laughs> leeches and the cure kills the patient. It's not a good thing. I, I hope you're right. I really do because my concern I don't know. is I, I, it's going to be so much easier for these guys to go. Well, that's what's great it, about the state-by-state -state laboratory. Right. Uh, right. I, because each state, Illinois has said we are not shutting down the vape market right now. Massachusetts said four months, which is not the end of the world. It's, it's unfortunate. 
California, obviously, there's debate going Look, on. Washington, there's debate going on. But what do you do in New York, where where the form factors are extract only for the most part, and vapes? You're, you're saying to patients, I am not going to let you consume. And by the way, I'm not going to say who, but one of the the New York uh, operators yeah. has already recalibrated how they, excuse me, how they distill the. They're they're basically taking out the THC, and then reintroducing the terpenes that they themselves have extracted, so that there's no other foreign substance other than things that only come from one original cannabis plant. They're reconstituting it. So people are reacting to and it. And they can, that's, that is It's the more expensive probably. And, but it's the sufficient viscosity to vape? It's interesting because it's now there's a new device that they're selling with it. So they're, huh. they've actually kind of rejiggered the entire way they're doing things, which by the way- That's a good thing. They're a very medically operated, so if you, if you, if you, can, you, know, you can back into who it might be. Because so they're very ca- medically focused. They're very medically focused. Yes. And what they 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 have a team that can do that because that's what they do. Formulation technology and they file patents on other stuff. So they immediately and, and someone said, look at how different this is from what I had last week. Like here's A, here's B. So I think when people are forced to react to really difficult situations, you get a you get a great sense. And you know what? Look, this a is year gonna, from now, this is gonna change a lot. Right, but only iron can make iron. You can't make yeah. iron by knocking it against wood because the iron will cut through the wood. Only iron can make sharper, stronger iron. And I think we're at a, a really interesting. We're at the. Forge Does it also push consumers into other form factors? Are we are we going to see a growth in drinks or edibles? You know, it's interesting. I think flour is going to all of a sudden. You know, nothing's going to happen if you smoke flour. Although I remember when I uh, uh, when I was young, there would be people who bugged out, and they would uh, blame it on. It's but they the were pesticides. Out. It was the pesticides. I, I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah. But or but you they, can't get that, in, and that's the good thing about li- legal regulated. But cannabis. that's my point. It's is doesn't safe. this create, in some ways, doesn't this create an overarching need for legal, regulated, thoughtful regulations, also around 100%. and making sure. I'm not saying black market. I don't know. I know that regulators have no will to put a black marketeer in jail. But what if that black marketeer? In in doing a black market product, it hurts somebody. Exactly. Of course, I, I it's get such a it. challenge. And by the way, I've been mulling over for I'm weeks. I'm not smart enough I've, to figure it out. I've spoken to so many smart people, and not one person said, "Oh, you know, here's the." Th-. Usually, eventually, you get to a, a needle threading exercise. Yeah, this is a tough. I have not been able to figure this out, and I said this to you. This is what we talked about privately last week. I've spoken to my team, other teams, other investors, other crazy smart episodes. Not one person has been like, yeah, you know what? Here's how you framework that out. I think because the will is moving away from criminalization. This is what the NCIA should be doing. I think it's hard. I think this is but a this really is hard issue. This is literally, this is exactly they what be, they should be doing. They should they, be it's preaching them. patience. No, they, well, they to, have to, but they should be doing this. DPA should be doing something here. But they also SS- have to suggest something. What do you suggest? Right, but they should say, I don't know what the answer is, but this is what they do. This is literally what the I, Drug Policy Alliance does. This is a this this is one moving back to but a it, more traditional jail people who are not following the laws is a I think is a tough pill for a lot of regulators to swallow. Yeah, because it's gonna it's gonna over index against the the people who have been negatively influenced right, so it's already not, so, by so the, let's, the war let's, on let's drugs. Let's just assume that's not gonna happen. So what is gonna be the how needle can threading? Ass- how can we assume that's not gonna happen? Because they're not going to dec- they're not going to. They have just went through the two or three year ramp up of getting the information they need to decriminalize, to do all these things. You're then going to turn around and say, well, hold on. Because then it's it's such a 180. I don't know, man. I can see it in 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 southern states where they go. No, no, but, that, but it's not legal. In, in states where it's not legal yet, you can build. No, a- no, no. Arkansas. Arkansas has a medical program. And I could see Arkansas saying, eh, fuck it. You know what? No vapes. 
and, and just say flower only. And and then okay, then Which we're is, back to where we were because we have to protect the patient. I I don't. I'm just gonna be honest. I don't have a. I, I don't I, have an answer. And and it's it's one of the it's one of the first real things that we've looked at as a team that we say. This is this one doesn't have an this, this one doesn't have something. Aren't saying this anything, isn't just right? about research and investigation. Yeah. This, like I can't information this thing to death. Like we can do that on a lot of things, right? To get to an answer. This isn't just about how hard we're willing to work and read and I consume. Mean, look, what they ha- I, I'm one of the things they have to do is from a state taxation level, um, price allow the MSOs to price their product at or below the black market the, the illicit market right so if you know that you can get the cheapest but the cheapest but, legal vape cartridge right that's cheaper than getting it on the illicit market then why the fuck would you ever buy it illicitly and it's going to force those guys right. out of business but aren't you trying isn't that answer though partially you're then saying market mechanics will step in well, it has to be a, a regulatory structure, but you have to disincentivize I agree. the illicit market from the financial perspective. I think expecting to nibble around the edges so that eventually market mechanics kick in and just force people out, that's a tough one. Because you know what it'll do? It has they, to be part of it. Right, but people can sell in every market has different pricing. and so I got it, but yeah. I, I don't know. Again, The I'm, best way to do a, it is to legalize. If you, look, if you legalize New York adult use, you've just killed $4 billion of the black market at overtime. Yes, uh, yeah, easy, right? Because New York City is estimated at two billion alone. Well, no, I, th- I think New York as a state is four billion, two billion in New York. You're right, in New York City. Yeah, alone. New York City and New York and New York medical program right now is what called a two hundred million dollar industry. It's a joke. It's it's, it's intentionally 10%. a joke. Well, I don't think it's intentional. Oh come on! I don't think so. Okay, people, you asked Liz Kruger, and they knew but not that Liz they. Stru- but they they talk structured to the people this at the more. Department of Health. It's not about how it's structured. These are hard. The regulators passed a law, and then like, but the regulations were. Hold on a second. The regulations were written in a way to disincentivize use. It's the sausage making that goes into passing a law for the first time. This is the nature of our industry. Governor Cuomo did not want a robust cannabis industry. If he wanted it. The laws oh, would have thank been Thank you, different. Cynthia Nixon, for pushing him deeply on this one during the election. Oh, yeah. Look, it's, it's yeah, it's a bummer, man. Well, no, she really pulled him because that, right. that was she kind of her. pulled him to the right. To the left, you mean? No. Well, who knows? Pull, she pulled him he towards legalization. He yeah, but he, you should go and listen to the but conversation. But I don't know right left. But no, but you should listen to the, the, she pulled him away from the issue. She did not pull him towards the Well, but issue. she said, I want to legalize, and then all of a sudden he was getting traction. And, and he didn't do it. He oh, really? Pulled, yeah. Don't... So here, okay. I'll tell you. Go back, and this is to everybody. Yeah. Go back and listen to my conversation with Liz Kruger, which right. was a couple of weeks ago, um, because she tells the story about what happened where he was all in, he was all in, he was all in, and then he went away. Right. At the last minute, he went away and pulled his support, and that's when the political will evaporated. Well, don't forget, he, he also ran his... the HUD when... I, whatever when I mean, you know he, he, he cannabis he, in the hud people getting kicked out of their house that guy in buffalo totally, 80 year old you know in the middle of the winter because he's a veteran who uses cannabis look, is I, I, governor murphy didn't put the pull, the full court press on either right like as either of them did and the, i think jersey gets done this year i still think it gets done in 19 in 19 they're running out of regulatory calendar legislative calendar you got three months, and every—I mean, it's not like something's getting done in the last week of November. It, it, it all comes to—if they can change the rules around What, what is the window the, we the, need the, to look the, at then? The, what, the, what is the, the issue is expungement, right? That's what right. held up the, the Black Caucus. And right. if they can get that fixed, 
it'll happen. If they can't get it fixed, well, now the vape issue throws a, a, a yeah, wrench in but the mix. that's a different issue. Right. The, the the thing that stopped it was expungement, and and if they can change that, if they can figure that out, they can get it done quickly. Yeah, the vaping issue is going to be a regulatory issue. I mean, it's not the issue that. So I, I I'm not. On, on every expungement. Well, we are going long, by the way. Yeah. Um, so the I think is I hope that I I hope others I hope everybody who's listening one is enjoying this as much as I am and two is getting out of this as, getting out of this as much as I am. Well, I appreciate. It. I, I'm getting as much out of this. I'm, I'm asking the questions here. So is the expungement issue around that? Is, it should be case by case basis, or is there going to they want no? Pay, they want they mass. want they like want mass. You, okay. they want mass expungement, which should be right. If you were in jail for, for non-violent. A non-violent cannabis crime, specifically, did I ever tell you my first thesis in law school was no. originally around the unfair treatment of non-violent drug offenders and how they became hardened criminals in jail because they were thrown in gen pop with violent criminals. Yeah, and I actually ended up shifting out of that. That was I, I moved from that thesis because it was actually an incredibly difficult and depressing thing. And in 1998 or 1999, when you're using like Westlaw and Lessig's Nessus, it was so hard to, you know me, I'm all about the information research. I started running into a brick wall of, you can't, there was no data around, and especially because the Clintons had kind of like privatized a lot of prisons. The data on on assaults went into a black hole in 96. So I, I realized that I, you can't do an article where you have all this data yeah. up until 1992 and then none. And so um, I ended up having a shift but that was my original thesis, and I spent three months reading about these horrible cases of treatment in jail you should, of people who you, were not violent drug offenders. Have you ever talked to Danny Moses about this stuff? I mean, we talk about we've talked about a billion things. I mean, we because this is a lot of what he does on Bale Street. It's oh yeah, really no, we, fascinating. We, I was on Bale Street. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't t- we didn't talk about it a lot, but obviously him and Ira talked about you know yeah, the people criminal out. justice reform stuff that he talks about yeah. is right and yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, dude, we are at an hour and twenty. Oh, so wow. let me ask one one last question, okay. right? Um, uh, which is, and, and we alluded to it earlier. Um, what is the biggest undertold story that the the mainstream media is not paying attention to? I think, and this is going to be wildly macro, but I think when you you know we've talked about the feminization of uh, certain aspects of the space, how there's a real feminine entrepreneurial spirit being unlocked. Yes. The last three or four years as but it's legality. Shrinking, right? Right, it, but as legality. Yeah. And I think the same thing. So after we did this application process for 113 amazing companies, I mean, there was very few in there that were not incredibly meritorious for money. Um, I think the unlocking of the minority spirit, the inner city health and wellness, the parity of uh, this is this is a really cannabis is an equalizer. It is egalitarian. It doesn't pick. It doesn't choose. Everyone can have their own experience with it. Um, they can use it in healthy ways. They can use it for maintenance. They can use it without THC in it, CBD, hemp. So mm-hmm. I think one thing that doesn't often get discussed is how this huge sector, $250 billion with you, fi- you factor in answer. You know, I've written about the trillion-dollar yeah. potential, if not more, the medicalization, all those things. But when you factor in that the—and I, I obviously have— done a lot of work with the minority community on a bunch of stuff. I worked for a minority-owned family office, and so when you think of how they get their health care and how the first line of health care for them often is the emergency room instead of, you know, and, and how they don't get, like, they don't spend an hour with a doctor and walk through what might be happening, and so health and wellness, and we have a really exciting announcement, which I, I don't want to make it where we're partnering with a, a very health and wellness-focused uh, artist, uh, okay. a pop artist, or not pop, but rapper, mm-hmm. um, 
who who is pretty well known to do health and wellness for the inner city community. He's already doing stuff like juice joints. And so we're going to have like a CBD juice concept because he's really done an incredible work with with his platform. Right. And um, we what we're what we're excited about, we're really connected on was the the ability to say to someone, you're not gonna be left out of this. And I think the minority community has done they've been they they've they're they've been they've been working towards this and there's so many great organizations like the MCBA and the DPA and the NC and the NCIA and so many people have tried to push the ball along on minority empowerment. And I think as you're seeing it, uh, the undertold story is how this is a, this is going to be because of the entrepreneurial will in the space to move forward. Uh, you're going to see a really, really strong minority component of businesses that succeed. And it's going to look like a real, flat earth kind of That's awesome. opportunity over time, over yeah. time. And I, I hope we're helping that with the I2 accelerator yep. program, but I see other people doing stuff. Ease is now doing an accelerator program. I think that's going to be a year or two or three from now. People are going to say, Hey, we're, we're closer to, this is what society should look like. It's a merit-based system regardless of color or creed. And with that, that is a perfect way to end, man, dude, thank you so much. Um, Mitch Berukowitz from Merida Capital. Thanks we'll have you me. back again, dude. Whenever. These conversations are awesome. Right, thanks, thanks a lot. lot. Wow, that was some conversation. So, a special thanks to Mitch Barukowitz, the managing partner of Merida Capital. You can find them at meridacap.com or on Twitter at meridacap. As always, if you want to chat with us, you can find us on Twitter with the handle at the underscore greenrush or on Instagram at the Greenrush underscore podcast, or you can drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. Please don't forget to rate and uh, review us on your favorite podcatcher, and please subscribe in either the Apple podcast app or wherever you're listening to us. Um, send us ideas for guests, for questions, uh, bad dad jokes, whatever you'd like. We really appreciate you taking the time that you give us every week to listen to us. Um, we don't ever take that for granted, and that's why we do our best to bring you the most interesting conversations. We try and ask the best follow-ups. Um, we really, really care about what you guys think. So with that, that's one take, Shay. One take. <laughs>